Welcome to the A-Level Biologist Podcast, bringing you the most exciting area in the world right now. Enjoy. Welcome to the A-Level Biologist, Season 4. On the off chance that you can still hear the relaxing, soothing sound of the raindrops in the background, indeed, uh, I am recording this at the same time. It's not that rainy in Cambridge, although this week is um, forecast to be all rain. This episode, I am going uh, through a... Well, I say it's a very good edition. (laughs) I mean, they kind of all are very good editions, but sometimes the title doesn't really let me know what I wrote about or what pictures I included. And when I click through to see what it is... It reminds me of something, I'm just thinking, oh, that's so nice. You know, it's like opening a gift, isn't it? Light and windows. Good morning, frosty reader. The moment I heard about the new pump track in Chesterton, I had to check it out. But how? It's freezing! And here is a picture of the pump track with a nice layer of frost on it. I didn't think I could make it, but I did make it. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with what a pump track is, because I think a lot of people are not, and I keep talking about it, and I don't think they know what I'm talking about. So, you know, everyone probably is familiar with a skate park and ramps and things like that. A pump track is essentially like a tarmac surface that goes up and down and up and down and around, and it's got berms and things like that. Um, you can skate, you can use a bike, you can use a scooter, you know, so it's considered like a more versatile and safer option, so a lot of them are being built currently. So this is what uh, it's referring to, a pump track. I decided to go out for 10 minutes, and if I felt too cold, I could come back. But I kept pedalling, and before long, here I was. A fresh new track, covered in a thin layer of frost. Wee Bike emoji. (laughs) Doesn't translate very well in audio, does it? And looking back at the pictures, the grass is greener than in summer, and but for the trees, the blue sky completes the view of a summer's day. Your body can warm up, but you need that spark of energy to even contemplate going out. Yeah, so essentially the grass in this picture is greener in the middle of winter, um, and in the summer, when it gets burnt, it's yellow. <laughs> That's what I meant. It's, um, it looks like summer without, without it being summer. It was actually very, very cold. Final chilly update of 2022. Thick, juicy flesh. Sweetness, but no heat. And yes, the number of seeds in these shorter chilies is different to the longer one on the other plant. But unexpectedly, they've produced more seeds. So this is a picture of the four chilies on my second plant. Um, Instead of growing long with a sort of typical chili shape, they grew um, wider. So definitely um, come come over on onto LinkedIn uh, to see the picture of this. This is they're very very yeah they are ju- they were juicy thick chilies 
Um, and one of them in particular was very sweet. Bear in mind that they're technically meant to be spicy, but um, Chat GPT informed me unreliably, presumably, that it's um, they just make they make various chemicals in the placenta. The placenta is the part in the middle where the seeds are all attached. That is the place that makes the chemicals, and that depends on their environment. So, um, I, you know, I asked some questions about that. Uh, ChatGPT told me it told me that the placenta makes the flavor chemicals, like capsaicin, and that if I want to make them spicier, I can keep them in the sun or leave them outside more. Um, as in, if they get attacked by insects and so on. They are stressed, and it's the stress that makes them produce more capsaicin. Should I believe it? Can GPT write like me? And if you're not familiar with ChatGPT, um, it's a very popular artificial intelligence general conversational tool. You can just search for ChatGPT. Currently, it's offline a lot of the time because um, there's too much demand. But apparently, they are working on increasing. Um, its ability to, you know, to be available to more people at the same time. It's been in the news on LinkedIn. It, you know, it's essentially able to have a very believable conversation with you. So if you say, you know, write me a poem about plants, it will write you a poem about plants. Not necessarily a good poem, but it will look like a poem, and so on. You know, people are doing all sorts of experiments with it, and it is genuinely impressive. It's, it's, you know. You use it and you get one of those moments of, oh wow, I'm living in the future now. So I asked it to write a, a funny story about ducks because one of my previous editions was about ducks on the River Cam, and I took various pictures of them. And you know there was some depth to that storytelling, that nat natural storytelling. So I said, okay, well, <laughs> my question for myself was actually, can this program? Replace my newsletter writing. Can it simply write for me? This is what it came up with. Once upon a time, there were two ducks who loved to swim in the river on hot summer days. They were the best of friends, and they always liked to swim in pairs. I just realised I didn't even look at this very closely the first time. It says there were two ducks. They always like to swim in pairs. That doesn't quite work if there's just two of them. If there were more than two, you could say they like to swim in pairs, multiple pairs. But if there's only two, that's actually not very well written. One day, as they were paddling along, they spotted a group of ducklings playing in the shallows. Again, ducklings don't really hang out by themselves. They are obviously with their mum. I don't think I've ever seen ducklings on their own. The two ducks decided to join in the fun, and they started splashing and diving, trying to catch the little ducklings. But the ducklings were too quick for them, and they kept darting away, squawking and laughing. The two ducks were determined to catch them, though, and they chased after the ducklings, flapping their wings and honking loudly. Finally, after much splashing and squawking. The two ducks managed to catch one of the ducklings, but as soon as they had it, the little duckling wriggled free and darted away again. The two ducks were exhausted, but they couldn't help but laugh at their own silliness.
They swam back to their spot in the river and settled down to enjoy the rest of the sunny day, still chuckling to themselves about their funny adventure. That story was ChatGPT's answer to my prompt of writing a funny story about ducks. I'll leave it up to you to decide whether it's a good story, but what caught my attention was the validity of the story. I've never seen any ducklings being chased. Has that ever happened? Is it a thing? The A-Level Biologist podcast is sponsored by the alevelbiologist.co.uk, a high school biology resource with over 1 million visits that covers over half a thousand trackable and searchable topics. Visit the alevelbiologist.co.uk today. The many deep questions raised by other people's various interactions with the conversational AI prompt us to ponder the sense of our own logic, values and processes. Fake news has already done that. This is its turbocharged cousin. I do appreciate seeing many talented people's aspirations and work and a shared sense of breaking through to some mind-bending new possibilities. Wow. Had I not been so stunned as to skip pulling my phone out of my pocket, you would have in today's edition a picture of the Cambridge grocery delivery robot. There are plenty of those for you to look up. Altogether, I am experiencing a very tangible new world. This greater vision, this peak that started with Windows. And here's a picture of my computer window. <laughs> and then followed by my actual window, the real window, the window window. Um, and they look very, very similar, eerily similar. But the, the, the things that people have tried with, um, with ChatGPT have revealed various very interesting things. I mean, on one hand, it can write LinkedIn posts that you would never assume were not written out from start to finish by a person sat at their computer writing a post. It's completely believable. On the other hand, there are many errors and quite dangerous mistakes precisely because it's so believable. So it's a little bit like uh, someone giving a presentation who's very persuasive but what they're saying is not true. It's that contrast between the superficial impression that you're making and the depth of the truth and whether it is true. <laughs> it's that contrast that, that makes that makes that makes it difficult and, and upsetting almost because you want to believe it. Um, but for example, I asked it if lem if lemons are sour in English, and it said yes, lemons are sour. Then I asked it if, if lemons are sour in Romanian, and it said it doesn't know whether lemons are sour. So then I asked it to translate its previous answer that lemons are sour into Romanian, and simply say lemons are sour. And then I asked it again, so in Romanian are lemons sour? And again, it said, I don't know if lemons are sour. <laughs> like, so in English, you know that lemons are sour. You're able to translate the lemons are sour into Romanian. 
but then you're not aware of the fact that you have just said the lemons are sour in Romanian. So when I ask you again, are lemons sour? You should be able to say, yes, they are sour. And yet it can't do that. So it reveals um, a lot of gaps there. It's a little bit like, um, I don't know, a very shiny layer of aluminium foil that reflects very strongly. But then the moment you kind of poke holes in it underneath, there's actually nothing there. And a lot of people refer to uh, some of its output as hallucinations. So things that have some connection to, to, to other things, <laughs> but they don't make any sense. Um, and that, you know, when we say intelligence, it's all about that sense, isn't it? Um, it cannot be a string of letters or a string of words or a string of papers or a string of numbers. There's some underlying thing that we're trying to get at. Um, and that, you know, that's going to be some lovely people's uh, lives work, I'm sure. But this goes on, this goes on to um, some other things here. So we've got these windows, and of course, the windows are a reference to to Microsoft Windows. They're, you know, this is what started it. And perhaps what started that was people just looking out of their windows to the sky and wondering and thinking and that became a two-dimensional map which we currently use and it is now going into a three-dimensional metaverse that is coming next we know that the moon is visible because it reflects the rays from the sun but when we see the moon is it the moon according to the sun or the sun according to the moon I just had a brief back and forth with ChatGPT and it's disagreeing with me. It says that the sun has its own light. Yes. But when we see the moon, we are seeing sun's light reflected by the moon. So we are seeing the sun according to the moon. I've never seen this glow before. Have a breathtaking month. Another picture outside King's College in the shy winter sunset. And it is genuinely glowing. It's a glow. It's, it's kind of dark. It's, it's almost dark. But on the horizon, there's this gentle yellow glow. And if we say that the, the light coming from the sun onto the moon is the sun... It's not a separate thing. It's, it is the sun itself, technically, because it has its own light. So it, it's, it's, it's the sun's light. But when it's reflected by the moon, we see the shape of the moon. We see, the, we see what the moon looks like. So those, those rays are shaped by the object. And obviously that applies to everything else. We see a car-shaped bunch of light rays and everything we see is the shape of the object that the light allows us to see. So are we seeing light shaped like an object or are we seeing an object brought to light by the light? (laughs) Hopefully that makes sense. Essentially what what I'm saying is when we see the moon, we see the object which is the moon. 
However, we only see it because there is the sun's light on it that also makes its way into our eyes. So we are seeing light shaped in the shape of a moon. So that is the sun according to the moon, according to the moon's shape. And if the moon had a different shape, we would see something completely different. So is it the moon according to the sun's rays? So if the sun's rays were red or blue or green or some color, then the moon would be that color as well. So it is the moon according to whatever light the sun makes available to it. It's the moon according to the sun's light. But also, the light is the sun's light. So what we see, the light itself, is the sun reflected by the moon. And again, if the moon had a different shape, then what we would see would be different. So these two things are completely connected and we cannot have one without the other. The moon would not look like the moon without the sun's light on it and the sun's light would not make the moon look what look like what it looks like. So those two things are happening at the same time and they are completely interdependent. Uh, that is what I meant by are we seeing the moon according to the sun or the sun according to the moon? And there's some kind of esoteric depth to that. Okay, right, well, this one dragged on for a while, but uh, there's more coming. So until next week, have a good one. Hey, it's me again. Didn't see that coming, did you? I'm here to thank you for the phenomenal growth in the past season and ask you to take a part in next season's success. Share this episode and add your review now. Thank you so much and see you in the next one.